It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boomus, Rusty. What's up, everybody? It is Friday, whatever that means in your life. Uh, last Friday, I, I think I took the whole day off. I might have just taken one off. I don't remember. But I'm going to do that again today. I'm going to still do two episodes. But as soon as that's done, I'm going, getting out of here for a bit. So do it while it's still nice, right? Uh, thank you for being here on the podcast, the public access, po- the podcast, the pub podcast, public access podcast here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN. Check out other shows on the network, like When the Gloves Come Off. Uh, that's the only other one that's really going right now, frequently. And thank you to our sponsors, Fred Ben Savage's Bucks, Donor's Productions, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis Great, and Sock Em Up. Go to SockEmUp.org. People need socks, especially now. So uh, I know a place that can facilitate that. So go to SockEmUp.org, S-O-C-K-E-M-U-P.org. And right now I'm going to bring out my special guest right here, right now, because it is 10 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast. We have right now Crystal Cook. There she is. How are you doing, Crystal? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's Friday, whatever that means to people. I don't know. Uh, I mean, if you, you work for yourself, uh, Friday is another day just another day uh, it doesn't really matter um i mean yeah so i mean it, it's i don't know so what what was the time when you were when you were able to say i i don't care about friday anymore was there a time in your life when you got to that point or are you still you still friday still a, a meaningful time or what's what's up with you with fridays well, I worked for myself different times in my life. And so at the times in my life, when I worked for myself, it didn't matter. And I actually liked the weekdays because then I could run errands and it wasn't, you know, I could get things done without a, a lot of um, crowds. And then I worked um, at a job job um, for a period of 12 years. And so, no, actually that was contract work. So a period of 10 years. And so then you're eight, you know, you're Monday through Friday. So then I was always excited for Fridays again. And then in the past year, I've gone back to working for myself. So. So what did that look like to be able to do that transformation? What was going on beforehand? What led you to that? To going back to working for myself? Yep. Yeah, I was living overseas for nine years. And so that was fun. Working for the military in Europe. I was in Germany and Italy both. Awesome. And so of course, because I'm living overseas. So when Friday hit the weekends, I would often do a little short trip because when you're in Europe, you can do short little weekend trips, easy, cool. you know, go to a fabulous place. You can spend the weekend in Paris or in London or in Venice or wherever, because it's, it's small. So yeah. that was always exciting. And then awesome. I know, and then I had been there for nine years and the last two years of that, I was managing a program. And the job wasn't giving me joy and my parents were getting older and time is a limited resource. And mm-hmm. I felt like, well, I've been over here for nine years and I don't have forever with my parents. And so I need to come back and help them out. 
So that was the transition. Plus, I love working for myself. You know, it's in in many ways, it's different because the work never stops, right? I mean, you can always be doing something. And sometimes it's overwhelming because it's like, I feel like I'm juggling so many things. Like, do I spend time on the social media stuff? Do I spend time in this class? Do I spend time writing? Like, what do I do? And so there's, but you, it, it's like at the end of the day, the, the day doesn't stop, right? The work right. doesn't stop. So it's yeah. always thinking. And I love being the, having ownership of my time. I love yeah. that. There's yeah, freedom. I mean- I mean, yeah, the thoughts are always going. The thoughts don't stop. And, uh, you know, if that's the case, you may as well be working for yourself. Right. I mean, if you're you're working for some job where you have to think for yourself, you're thinking all the time, but for somebody else, it's not going to be beneficial to you. And that's, that's thinking off the clock too, for the most, if, if it's a hourly, even if a salary, that's still kind of thinking off the clock, but if it's for you, then that's a different story. Then that's all for what whatever is gonna you know help help you expand and grow and mm-hmm. you know you're expanding and growing for yourself. Yeah, and and the possibilities are limitless, right? I mean, you can Correct. create whatever world or vision that looks for you, and you can go into whatever direction that you want. So there's tremendous freedom in where you choose to go next. Yeah. And so when you decided to come back over here and uh, I guess over here, yeah, you know, over into the States, what was, I mean, did you know you're going to be working for yourself or did you already start working for yourself before you left or how'd that work? Do you just come over here and you're like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Uh, let's, let's start a, a business up. No, it was a transition. I was doing, I was writing while I was over there. I, I wrote three books of my children's books while I was over there. They weren't in the finished stages yet. So I was working, I had a plan as much as I planned. I had a plan in place and, you know, I'm a mental health therapist. And so there's always private practice that I can do. And there's a lot of contract work. So I knew that um, when I came back, that that would be the transition and um and now with online and what covid did was open up so much more stuff online where i I remember yeah yeah years ago this was like early 2000s a friend of mine it was about 2004 a friend of mine said you know you really should do therapy online like oh that will never be a thing i would never do therapy with someone on the computer you just lose too much and had I followed his advice, I would be a millionaire, right? Because sure. all these online platforms have come into play and something I thought I would never do. I actually like it. I, I like the person to person, but when a client can have convenience and be in their own home and in their own space, there it's easier for them. And if it's easier for the client, then it's so much better. And it's easy for me too, because I don't have to pay for office space and I don't have to drive to a location and I can be anywhere in the world and still do therapy. And that's what happened with me too. Um, It was just so much easier. And then, because I was working with somebody who didn't want to leave their house. Um, And this was probably 2018 or so. And 
yeah, I didn't want to leave their house. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, we can try doing on the computer, you know, like, and then back then in 2018, people were like, I oh, know that's not, that's not a thing. And I had an office there in, in uh, near Portland, Oregon. And yeah, then I say, okay, I moved, I moved to near uh, Minneapolis and I thought I'd be snowed in for six months out of the year, found out that was not the case <laughs> with their snow removal. But then I started looking at office space and it was, it was expensive. And I was thinking, you know, like I'm already kind of working with people who are doing this, who like, you know, work. I want to work with people who don't want to go because the whole thing of them being able to be, because no matter how great you make your office, it's never going to be as comfortable as their house unless they have something terrible going on in their house, mm-hmm. which there's a small percentage of the time that that's the case. But for the most part, it isn't the case. And so, um, yeah, and then when, when COVID hit and everyone started doing doing that, um, I was like, okay, this is great. I even beforehand, I made a commercial probably like in 2019 before the the pandemic hit uh, or whatever you want to call that. And uh, I call it the the best time for myself and my business is really opened everything up and made everything great. But yeah, I mean, I, I had a commercial. I'll, I'll, I'll even pop it up here. Uh, let's see. So I got. You will sleep better than you have ever slept. You've never been this relaxed. Are you ready to change your life? I'm Rusty Diamond, certified hypnotist. You don't need to leave your house. You can stay in your bed. You can stay in your favorite chair. You just need a computer or your phone. You can get a hold of me. Stay at home. I'll make your life better. Hypnosisisgreat.com So, I mean, it was it's great that like the that people can just stay in their home because yeah, I mean, how much better is it that they don't have to, they're not going to be stressed about sitting in traffic coming over the place, getting there on time, and then, you know, being able, especially with, you know, any sort of mental health, anything, being able to be in the most comfortable, relaxed state of mind is where you're going to get the best work done. And just yeah, having them being able to stay, you know, sit in bed or sit on their couch, go out, go out and sit under a tree sit on the on the beach somewhere and why not and then i can be at home too and my work's gonna be good. i'm not going to be sitting in an office going all right well when when can i get out of here i want to you know switch it up so uh, i love the transition i love that it's gone to this and sometimes i'll still meet with people in person but it's pretty few and far between when that's going to happen so Right. And it's interesting because I think there was a mindset shift because I think people thought for years that if you work from home, you're not going to be working. You're going to be in your kids. You're going to be whatever, messing around and not getting your work done. And I think they realized that productivity probably did not go down. It may have even gone up. I, I worked a lot in the schools. And so I worked in my office by myself and then going in the classrooms and the kids coming in to, to have their session. And Um, I just didn't, you know, when I was at work, I was at work once in a while, a teacher would pop in and say, Hey, 
And when I shifted and went into management, I was in an office space with like 12 people. And I was like, oh my God, like how many hours a day do you guys actually work? Because what I saw was like, Uh oh my God. And I couldn't get my work done because there was so much chatter. And I didn't realize that when people are in an environment together, that they chit chat more than they work. And I said something to my friend and she's like, oh my God, she goes, you haven't worked in an office in a long time, have you? And they go, I haven't. And I'm shocked at how much people waste time just chit-chatting and she's like well it's not really wasting time it's socializing I go but you're not getting your work done (laughs) socializing does not get work done yeah and so in my mind it was I think people can be more productive at home because if they have a task to do they don't have all of the distractions they have a task to get done and you know there may be some people that don't work but if your work is product oriented you're going to get the project done or whatever. And all these, it's interesting back in Colorado, these big, huge buildings that had like, it was a chase company where people did data entry. It was a big, gigantic building. When COVID hit, what they realized is we can save a lot of money by letting people work from home. They're happier. They don't have to commute and we can sell this building and make a lot of money. So it was a whole mind shift um, to realizing that, you know, people can be productive at home. I prefer to work from home because yeah, I mean, I'm in my yeah. own space. I have my own food. I can go to the refrigerator and have my lunch and I don't have noise around me. Yeah. And just being able to give everyone a computer, internet access, pay for that separately is uh, a lot cheaper than owning you know owning or leasing a building and paying for all the utilities you don't pay for any of that stuff you just have to pay for those those couple of things you pay for a computer once or you know every how often right. to upgrade it but then and then just pay for everyone's internet then that, that's going to save you a lot of money and mm-hmm. you know um yeah i think it'll make people a lot more productive and i would say the only down part is that it, it isolates people a little bit more. So, I mean, when you do go to work, you do see those people every day and you do have some connections and you're talking to another human versus I think when you work from home, I know for me, I like it, but at the same time, I'm like, gosh, if I talk to another human in two days, <laughs> except for when I go right. to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, I go to the grocery store pretty often for that reason. <laughs> Uh, I'm always like, oh, okay, well, I guess I need one thing at the grocery store. I should probably go to the grocery store and mm-hmm. see those checkers I know. But <laughs> like Rusty's know. lonely again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's here to, you know, he's here to get like a, a piece of gum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? he's getting a piece of gum or a, a loaf of bread, and you know what's, uh, or, you know, an apple or something. Uh-huh. And, but um, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't trade. I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I, a while ago, last year, last year sometime for a little bit, I was doing a data entry job. Uh, and they told me it was going to be, because I, I was like, can I can I work from home? Um, especially after the first day. I was like, why am I going into office? And then I went in there and it's the same thing. It's all these people just chit-chatting the whole time and i i put on my headphones because i don't you know i want to get work done and i don't you know i it's not not my deal really to be talking to people but i I mean yeah i went in there i needed to 
offsets. I wanted to offset some taxes uh, because I wanted some job that was, uh, you know, someone else paying the taxes besides myself to kind of make it so I didn't feel like I had this huge bill at the end of the year uh, like I did the year before. And so I did this for a little on the side. And then, yeah, I got to be, nobody was doing their work except there for me. I was the only one at from home. And I feel I wasn't even doing nearly as much as I would have done, but I was doing more than I would do when I was at the office. Mm -hmm. But, and then since nobody was doing their work, they just stayed at home and did jack shit. Mm -hmm. uh, we all had to go back into the office and yeah. And then I lasted a little while longer in there. And then I didn't have that flexibility either of, you know, if I have to go to the doctor or something, I have, you know, I'll take time off and, Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting sick and, and got let go because I couldn't go into work. But if I would have just been at home, I could have mm -hmm. done that same work. But Oh, for sure. And you, and you, I think, you know, then you have those people who, who are slackers that ruin it for everybody. But I was like the, the kind of the nerd, I guess, or the dork in the office that had these noise cancellation headphones on. Because yep, like, I, me too. I, mean, I, I don't there was a lot of eye rolling because, oh. But, and I would just wear them all day and I would turn my music on because the chatter was so loud. I could not focus. Yeah. And especially if you start listening to what the chatter is, if somehow, and then like, or even if you're not listening, that's stuff that's going to go into your subconscious mind or unconscious mind and just sit there mm -hmm. because your, your mind's so focused on your music and your work, all this crap that they're talking about is just going to be in your head. And you're going to be wondering about why that, uh, you know, Billy had a tuna fish sandwich for lunch and uh, he, he's tired of eating tuna fish sandwiches every day. And I, I don't know why. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's a tough mindset to leave. But then, so then you decided you're going to write. And then, mm -hmm. so something I've, I've been asking, this is, so I, I do a lot of creative stuff as well. And so I like, I'm, and I'm, in between that Gen X and millennial age. And so I'm very back and forth with this, with the, uh, the AI assistants, the, uh, how much of that, I mean, right, right now at this moment, everything that I can do, it can do better. And it used to be that it was, it can't pick up uh, like humor of, you know, nuances of, of humor and being clever, but now it can. And where, where are you with all of that? Yeah, I find it fascinating um, and mind boggling. Actually, um, I, there's a program that, that I have that I love using it because it saves me time because it's, um, it can go in, find articles that I need, and then compose an email, summarize the article, and then I can sign it. That saves me hours. So I love that. Absolutely. Um, 
so I love the time saving of doing stuff that I don't like to do, but I find it wild to think that like now they're like teachers can't like people cannot tell the difference between uh, essay or a term paper is what we used to call them written by right. a person versus AI. And, and and I guess at the same time, it's like, well, if we got AI to do it for us, maybe we don't need to do it anymore. I don't know. That's that's kind of what I feel like too. Um, yeah, the point of doing that has always been just. I, I think that's uh, some that should be addressed, and it should be, there should be a re uh, an overhaul of the education system anyway, uh, especially with something like that. And now I have a uh, sister-in-law. She's a, a professor, um, and she had her students write some paper and you there's you can do the uh you know the ai check to see if, if it was written by ai unless i don't know why these but these these kids that they're not thinking a step ahead where you go and use the filter that goes and filters everything out and rewrites it so it can't be detected by that is ai but uh she said like i think 80 percent of them came back as detected as written by AI. And so she said, okay, everyone who did this, and if I catch it on there, I'm not going to say who right now, but if I'll give you an extra chance, if you want to rewrite it and turn it in, I won't give you um, a zero, which I'm going to give everybody else if you don't, if I find out that it was written by AI and it came back and still like, I think she said maybe 70 or 75% of them still didn't change it. And so, I mean, and so much of term papers or your essays or whatever you want to call it is, and and testing as well is just the learn and dump kind of education, which what good is that? Um, I want people to learn forever. I want people to keep learning, but the learn it just to get it on something and forget it immediately. What's that can do for anybody other than just kind of the reason that they made school was to be able to indoctrinate people to, you know, for it takes 12 years to indoctrinate somebody or 13, 12 or 13 years mm -hmm. to be able to get them to adhere to a time frame, uh, such as, you know, you go to school, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week, sure gets you ready for that workforce when you're ready to um, just think that that's that's what you're gonna do when you get older, and um, I think yeah, I think it was, it was the Rockefellers. I think that started the public education system. It was the Rockefellers or the one of the other ones that's like the Rockefellers? I want to say it's the Rockefellers. So, but um, I mean, yeah, it's there's no reason to just learn something and get rid of it. You know, learn something because it's gonna help you out, and the like. Right now, the resources are out there for anyone. You have uh, free courses online from Harvard, Stanford, MIT. Uh, you can learn anything else from YouTube University. There's Google Scholar. I mean, there's anything you want to learn or can learn to make yourself better is out there, and people should do it. And just learning like, okay, well, I have to write this essay. Like, if I was going through school now, I wouldn't do a thing. I would just, I don't know why I'd be going, though. I would have I would have had everything done and had my homework done in five minutes and then just 
I don't know what else I would have done. Done just like okay, well I'm done, and that's that should tell people something that that's something that we need to readdress. Oh, I think that this newer generation. What is it? The generation that's going to high school and college now is that Gen Z. I think so. I think they're just going to overhaul the education system. Period. You know, I think it's just going to have to change because the younger generations are like, uh, "Yeah, this is dumb. Why am I doing this?" And right. like you, like you, it's interesting to see how that would shift too, because you're like you were talking about. There's so many resources online that um, and college and universities are so ridiculously expensive now that there may be a huge shift of kids saying we'll just do this and create our right. own path uh, yeah. so it'll be I mean, interesting yeah. to see what will happen in the next few years with all of that because like like your sister-in-law said like she told him i'll give you a zero and they came back <laughs> still right. use the ai no one, no one changed like, they're it, not yeah. gonna they're not going to follow the rules you know and in many ways that generation makes me bananas because they're like that and in many ways it's also good because they're kind of creating another revolution and truly they're better at computers than we are absolutely but you know each generation gets better and better and I, I work with a lot of teens and you know they're like yeah my parents took away my cell phone but you know they know how to get into all the devices at home change the passwords so they can use their devices, rechange it back. I mean, <laughs> their parents are so bamboozled, you know, yeah, that uh, they're smarter than their parents when it comes to technology, unless their parents are like an IT, you know, guru or something. Yeah. And uh, I mean, even that, because I mean, because yeah, I, I was at the tail end of, you know, I, I had both the, the analog and digital. And so it's, I don't know. It's a weird, weird time. Like I went through, I don't think I like I got a, a phone in like, I don't know, 12th grade, I guess. Like, and, but it was a phone that was like, could call people. It couldn't, it couldn't, I think it could, text was just starting. Mm. Like you could just start to do the, where you had to go and push everything and the numbers, if you, few times uh for each each let different letter um but i mean like i I had a pager and stuff for a couple of years before that but i mean yeah i mean so even like part of high school like i didn't have anything there was no way to to communicate i didn't have a computer at home i didn't have you know i didn't have a phone i didn't have a pager i just was on my own mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. um yeah and i mean so it's, and even like when I had a phone in 12th grade, I only had a certain amount of minutes. They didn't even have the free nights and weekends yet. It was like, it was, you had like it was a hundred minutes. Yeah. hundred yeah. minutes a, a, a month or something like that. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if people understand that. That, that was, uh, that's, that's how things used to go. And stones, right? right. Um, yeah. When I was in the FBI, this was way back when we had pagers, but we, <laughs> the cell phone, we, we all like each squad shared a cell phone and it came in a, like a suitcase. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> suitcase to your car. And I think it seemed like you'd plug it into where the lighter was and you had this big old clunky phone, but it was cool to, you know, be the one carrying the, the cell phone. <laughs> And yeah, you know, how it's so so different. But I I'm curious, like, 
you know, way, I think it was in the 80s when Terminator first came out. Do you think right. that AI can reach that level where it develops its own intelligence and then says, hey, we're going to take over these humans? Or these humans are messing up the planet, we're going to take over. I mean, it could be evil or it could be good, but do you think that's possible that they can do that? Uh, yeah. I mean, so when when Chad GPT got big in November, um, within two weeks, it was so far advanced from what we could even imagine. They had to they had to stop it after two weeks and only release so much out to the public each, you know, every update or whatever of it since then. But I mean, after two weeks, it was already anything past we can even fathom and it's already good. So, I mean, I assume it has, has a, you know, we'll, we'll be working for, for them, um, them or whatever that is for, for that. But I don't know. Um, it's it's pretty it's impressive though i mean if it's it's all you know everything is can be good or evil though too and so mm -hmm. um i don't know what, what what do you think about that i don't know because it's so beyond my capacity to understand like i don't even understand how it does this stuff like i i can't like my brain i feel like my brain is here and that level of technology is here so I'm like, yeah. gosh, who knows? And I remember when Terminator first came out way back in the 80s, it seemed so unreal. Like, oh, this is such a, a fiction, science fiction movie. And right. then I'm like, hmm, maybe it's not. I don't know, but it's. And now every science it, fiction yeah, movie. It's wild. it's wild how it can, um, like you said, it just advances and then now it can pick up nuances and cleverness and i don't yeah, know which it's... they said wouldn't happen they they said for a long time it's not going to be able to pick that up and now it is there there's a new thing that google just released um it's all these different tools i forgot what it's called but it's even yeah a bunch of stuff with the wordplay and stuff um yeah, I was just talking about it on my other podcast yesterday, and yeah, I mean the the stuff it can pick up on, and so just I mean being able to write, you know, whether like you were saying, uh, books, plays, screenplays, movies, music, uh, video production, what whatever. Um, it's it can just be done and i don't know and it's it's a hard thing too because there's as much as i want to not use it i think it's going to be the people that aren't using it. they're just going to be left behind because it's going to be everyone else is using it and i mean it, it's it sucks because i know how long it takes to write something i know how long it takes to make some sort of musical composition and now it can be done in 90 seconds and it's frustrating but then i was speaking with somebody a while ago but it just how the people who are creative like but can't draw a lick 
can come up with stuff that normal artists couldn't fathom doing, but have the technical skills to be able to do. Now, someone who can only draw stick figures can do this crazy conceptual art that, you know, no one else could have thought of, but only had the tools to be able to draw stick figures. And then I think that can advance and kind of push forward the people who, you know, quote unquote, real artists could be able to, you know, advance and kind of see what other people are doing. And, and then, I mean, I think it's like with computers, people who wanted to think that computers were going to be the, the end all of society, the downfall, stayed away from it and just kind of got left in the dust. And I think that's kind of what a lot of the younger generations kind of hoping <laughs> is going to happen that a lot of, I think that it's something we kind of have to accept and it's going to be here. Uh, but, and you get left behind. I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, because it, like you said, like computers, like if you, if you're not technology savvy, at least a little bit, you're, you're limiting yourself on so mm -hmm. many things. Like for instance, I have a, a good friend, she's, she's older. An incredible therapist wanted this management position. Technology, even basic technology stuff is a struggle for her. And she didn't get that position because if you're a manager, you got to be able to do a lot of reports and yeah. download them. And you, you need to really have a certain level of technology know-how. And so she didn't get the position. She, she lost it to someone much less experienced, but the person knows how to operate technology, you know, so... And like you said, with yeah. chat GBT, like I can get so much more done with the type of things that I need to do. Um, like to me, that's drudgery work and it frees me up to do other stuff. You know, if I can crank out more books, which I love to do and spend less time doing drudgery stuff because AI helps me do it. Yeah. You know, because then, you know, have you um, um, read the book Zone of Genius? Nope. I can't remember the name of the author, but he talks about that 70% of your time should be in your zone of genius. And so, but a lot of people spend so much of their time, you know, doing things that, you know, maybe a virtual assistant can do or whatever. But if you can get AI to do all of this other stuff and do it exactly like you want it to do, you can spend 90% of your time or in zone of genius. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. so then are, are you able to with your stories or illustrations able to use chat gpt for it or is that kind of a uh, writer's secrets or is that because oh, i mean I, I i went and did one uh months ago i didn't release it about i, I made a uh, a book teaching kids not to uh pee in a swimming pool and you know it spat it out I changed a few things on it, made it better. And, and yeah, at the same time, it's just like, oh, shit, like why there's, but you need to have that prompt though. But I mean, you don't though, even you just need, now you can be like, give me these ideas of the prompt. And then there's so much. And then once you, you know, like, and then being able to feed your work in that you've done already to have a sample of it, to be able to have it right in your style of writing with your your nuances of how you do anything and pick up on that, make it sound like you and just be able to spit things out over and over and over. I mean, what's what's the to not stop 
just doing that and have an endless supply of of work. I've had a lot of authors on here and I, I bring this up every time and I've had a lot of musicians on here and a lot of people who, you know, a lot, I have a lot of creative people on here and we're, everyone's kind of on the spectrum of where they fall onto this, but it's something I, I like to talk about because like we were saying, it kind of, it affects everybody and it's kind of how you, you use it and what you're planning on doing with it is where you're going to fall in the world. Oh, and I, I misquoted the, the title of that book. It's called um, The Big Leap. Um, okay. So it's a great book for entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I've never, tr I'm just new into using chat GPT. I don't, you know, the type of books that I write, I, and maybe, you know, I'm thinking, oh, well, yeah, I could do <laughs> Maybe that's not true. Maybe I, I could do it better because there's a lot of nuances in my book. And a lot of meaning that, that gets here and here and here. And it's kind of like an layer of onions. But that being said, I don't know. I, I guess it would be interesting to try and see with one of my next book ideas to see if it does what I want it to do. At least it might be able to give me some ideas. I don't know. But what I think, my, the, the illustrations, I don't like digital. So like I have all the illustrations in my head of what I want them to look like. And I'm one of those people who I can visualize like this great piece of art. <laughs> but when it comes to drawing it, I, I don't, it doesn't translate. So the illustrations I have in my head, and I don't know if, if AI could do the illustrations by watercolor Again. Um, or not. I don't know, yeah, but I, Hey, I, I can't, I, I pay an yep. illustrator and she does it, you know, an artist and she does a tremendous job. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, it would save me a lot of money um, to do it, but I don't know. You know, I, it'll be interesting. I would like to see, to try it, to experiment and see what I think, because until I experiment it with myself, I just wouldn't know. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, what are, I don't know what people are using right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you just, you, and, and the prompt, just like chat GPT, you go, you, a what you type in, uh, I want it to be a watercolor with you know, whatever, whatever your story is about, uh, a watercolor about a, a walking pair of scissors and uh, the Italian, uh, on Italian beach, this Italian beach at three o'clock in the afternoon and you know i don't know but then or whatever whatever that might be just for example and then be able to uh throw that up just but it still would be digital right because the ai is not going to get you know a paintbrush and paint and yeah well Yep. And yeah, you can even say that if it's, if it says it doesn't look like there's paintbrush strokes on it, you go and you have them redo it a little bit, uh, you know, update a little bit and say, it doesn't look like there's paintbrush strokes, paintbrush strokes on it. Please make sure it has paintbrush strokes mm -hmm. on it uh, and it will do it. And it's, again, it's the, it's tough. And like, I have, I have one of my friends, he, just wrote a movie and a book and how much he is against any of this stuff and just like you all this can be done right here and mm. 
but and it's it's hard. He's probably maybe a few years older than me, but um, I mean, yeah, it can it can do it. And so, I mean, I'll uh, maybe I'll get get on. Yeah, I mean, what's it called? Um, let me see if I can pull this up here real quick. Um, so if I go on to one of these, not oh, shoot. Um, okay, well, anyway, may I won't do this right now. Uh, so if you want a watercolor pair of scissors, Oh, maybe not. Okay, I don't know. Screw it. Okay, I'll 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 send you something later on. We'll go with that. Yeah, so, I, I'm interested to just learn. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated yeah. by it all. Yeah, and it's uh, I mean, yeah, the the only thing that it has trouble with still, but it's getting better with is uh, having words or numbers on there, but. I mean, that can easily be done in Photoshop afterwards or whatever, you know, even use Canva, Canva if you want something free and, and then um, hands, but hands are finally starting to like fingers. For some reason, fingers always get kind of odd with those, but now it's able to do it pretty well. Um, yeah. I'm wondering but, for, for me, the... I spend the most time through the editing process back and forth and back and forth hours and with hours. an editor or yourself with it. So I write and then I rewrite and then I have a content editor that comes back and we do some revisions and then I have a copy editor at the end. So I'm wondering if that's where AI would help me is the whole editing process, because then yep. it makes it very smooth and makes sure that your character's um, so that's where I would probably really love it is have the base story and then have it help me make it really smooth and pop. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just go and put in your story, you copy the text in, then put put for the prompt, you know, make sure that it's smooth, make sure the characters are very defined and, uh, you know, kind of tighten it up and make sure it flows perfectly. And then, uh, and then it has your, your, and, you know, make sure it's in my voice that you're seeing here. And I, I like to, and this is another thing, I like to be very polite to the AI because I don't, I feel it. it <laughs> wants to come and murder you at night. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I'm like, please, thank you. You're doing such a good job. <laughs> uh, I want you to remember I'm your friend. <laughs> yeah, yep. I want to be his friend and make sure uh, it's there. And uh, so who invented it? Who invented chat GPT? Because to me, like how, who has the mind to figure something like that out? I mean, it's. I think it's just evolved with so much. Um, I don't know who invented ChatGPT itself, but I mean, there's always been the need for some sort of personal assistant. But then, yeah, this just kind of blew it into a whole new stratosphere. And uh, yeah, and like I said, it's only can. It's so much further ahead than what is showing right now, and so yeah. Um, so then I have another question. So what were you doing at the FBI? Or is that something? I was, uh, I was an agent. I was a special agent. For where and doing what? I was in Miami, Florida. And back then, Medicare fraud was a huge, and probably still is, it was a huge, huge thing, healthcare fraud. 
where um, even people that were were dead, they people were taking their um, Medicaid Medicare card and still billing the insurance, and even big companies that are well respected, big huge hospitals who are um, fraudulently billing the government for billions of dollars to get oxycontin or something. Uh... No, just to make money. So um, Fortune 500 companies would. So when you like in the medical field you bill based on a code. So you can bill for services that were never rendered, or you can bill for services, say like um, this procedure reimburses us at $1,000. This procedure reimburses us at $100. Let's go with a $1,000 reimbursement. Whoa. That type of thing. Yeah, and I mean, well-respected hospitals were doing this. And so what, what did you do in there? Were you going through stuff on a computer or are you showing up? And uh, I mean, how, how'd your work go with that? How did that well, really we would infiltrate arrest or? Mm-hmm. Well, we would arrest people. So we, you know, as an agent, what you do is you're really trying to get people on the inside to give you information, you know, an informant, a cooperating witness, and then you get all of the data and then we have financial analysts. Well, AI could do that now, but the financial analysts back then, this was 20 something years ago, would go through and find patterns and then see where the billing was off. Or, you know, if there was, you know, they were billing for people that weren't even alive anymore. Like that's obviously fraudulent billing. Yeah. Um, And so then we would, um, then you gather the evidence and you interview people, interview witnesses, and you put a case together. And sometimes they were multi-cases, you know, cases, you know, the same case would would be New York, Tennessee, Miami, a bunch of different, you know, because these these companies, you know, span over multi-states. Sure. And then in Miami, you know, I was, a, you know, a young new agent. So we did other stuff too. We did, you know, um, investigated drugs and, you know, Miami's a hotbed of all kinds of crimes. So we got to do all kinds of fun stuff. Follow so- people, <laughs> spy. <laughs> What was that like? Uh, or what would you like most about that? Uh, if you were able to, you know, follow someone or spy, did you have any certain ways you'd like to do it? I, not w- without giving away too many secrets. Uh, but I mean, they might be so maybe not as, uh, they may have been upgraded since then. But I mean, was there some some part of it that you really enjoyed getting to do? Well, it was fun. it was fun when you could. Oh, of course, making arrests was fun because it was exciting. You know, you're getting you know um, the bad guys, so to speak. Um, that was always fun and exciting. Uh, I always liked like when we would be have surveillance because you know we didn't have a GPS back then. So we so back then we had a GPS device that we would then put. Um, inside someone's car, like the bad guy's car. So then we like could- a, under a wheel well or something mm-hmm. or- mm-hmm. And then we would change out the batteries, you know, kind of like around 3 a.m. or we would fall, we would make, when it was a time that was quiet, you know, with criminals, a lot of times in the middle of the night is when they're not quiet. And I, it was always fun for me because back 20 years ago, I looked like I was 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I did not that look like this. an agent. I did not look like an agent at all. So I would always get sent in to get pretty close to the bad guy because I was so unassuming. Like I didn't look like an agent. So, so I could track. Okay. So you'd be, they'd just be thinking you're some kid walking along, not doing anything 
you know. Or so someone in the car, you know, kind of like happens to be, you know, in, in traffic. They would get in the car. So what we, we'd surveil them because we would want to um, take photos of, say, they're making a drop or making an exchange. So the goal was to get a photo and to track where they were going and gather information. So I was able to, to be fairly close and, um, you know, not be identified. But it was, so, it was a good time. You know, I was in my 20s and there was a lot of us young people um, working at a big office. So it was a fun time. Would you ever be in, uh, was it usually, usually like a van or like what what kind of, you know, like one of those vans that's like, a, you know, Bill's uh, auto parts or something, uh, everyone had in there or were you in just I was and I was just in a regular car. Uh-huh. Yeah, just a regular car. I mean, we all had a, we all we all had our own. We called it a bu car, our, our FBI car. And mm. was it uh, was yours? What kind of car was yours? God, I traded out a few times. I had one gigantic. The first one I had was a brand new agent. When you're a new agent, you get all the crappy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I had this big gigantic, and I'm I'm I'm. They can't. You probably can't tell from here, but I'm not that big. I'm like five three. And this car was like maybe a Lincoln or something. It was so big. <laughs> I, kept, I kept banging it into stuff because I couldn't maneuver this big, gigantic car. <laughs> I kept like, I go to park. I was always running into other cars. <laughs> so I finally like, oh my God, let's give her a smaller car. Then I think yeah. it was like kind of Buick or something. Um, so were, did they look like they were like police or FBI cars or was it very just like, it was just some car? And I always thought they looked like a grandpa car. You know, that'd be, that's a good idea. You know, who, who suspects the, the grandpa? Uh, the undercover agents, they had the cool cars. You know, they had the sports cars, all the undercover guys did. So when you're doing like, uh, you're going to arrest somebody who's into drugs as opposed to somebody who is, uh, doing medical fraud i mean what how were those arrests different i mean when you were there like was it you know a lot of action going on or something for one of them and not so much the other one or was it kind of varied yeah. all over the place you know if you know if they were you know we always would have intel right like these people are armed and dangerous um so sometimes to swap people you know the fbi at least back then um, have more resources than the local police. And so when we would go in, it was like quite overkill sometimes, but, you know, or on the side of safety. But of course, all the agents were like, yes, we get to go make an arrest. So sometimes it was, if it was armed and dangerous, and we would hit maybe 10 sites at once because we would get the whole, you know, a big part of the team, I guess, or the group. And so a lot of times the SWAT team would go in with you. Oh, well, okay. and you'd have your, your body armor. And if it was, you know, the, these people aren't armed and dangerous, you know, they're. So it would just be maybe three of us, four of us go in. So, yeah, it was different depending on the the type of arrest. And then it, and I will tell you, if it was a very, very wealthy, high end Fortune 500 company, they didn't get arrested. They got to turn themselves in. OK. All right. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so then what, what kind of got you out? 
you know, honestly, I think I would have been happier if I would have gone to the local level. I think I would have enjoyed being moving up to become a detective and working at the local level. At the FBI level, there's so much bureaucracy um, and so much politics. And I saw so much that I didn't like. Um, Sure. And I remember tragedy hit my life. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, you know, if I died tomorrow, is this, is this what I want? You know, I, yeah, I can retire at a young age. I can make good money. It's a prestigious job, but this isn't giving me joy. And um, I decided what will give me more joy. And I got to think, you know, is it like, I have so much, I have an incredible amount of respect for law enforcement. And at the same time, for me, I felt like my purpose wasn't being fulfilled by being on this end of arresting people and finding out people who did things bad. What if I did something for me that intervened earlier in the teen level, in the child level, so that maybe the trajectory of their life would be different? And you know, I don't, I don't have any illusions that I'm going to save the whole world, but maybe that one kid or that one person that could be like, you know, do I go this way or do I go this way? That maybe they would at least think about it before they went this way, or maybe they would go this way. And so I went back to school and got a master's in social work and I've been doing that for over 20 years and it, I love it. I mean, I, this, you know, when people ask me about the FBI, it's fun to think about those memories. Um, but this is where I have my passion. So have you gotten to write, oh, have you gotten to write about any FBI things uh, you've done? Mm-mm, I never did. Mm-mm. And so, so then you you're writing books, right, and children's books, and um, and then so are there are they, you know, is it is it available on Amazon or is it like uh, you get them at the bookstore? Uh, so if anyone's listening, no, I, just, I don't get into what what a bookstore is or a library. Uh, so can you go? <laughs> <laughs> can, do people go to the library and uh, you know check it? What was it? Where is it in the Dewey Decimal System? Uh, um, yeah, my yeah. my books are fairly new. Um, best place to purchase them is on my website, Crystal C R I S T A L Cook dot com. Um, I had the the second one I need to put up on Amazon. I didn't publish them through Amazon. You know, like Amazon KDP. I didn't do that. Um, so the best place is my website. There are a few little small stores that have them. Uh, maybe someday everyone will have them in their stores. That would be fantastic. But absolutely. Uh huh. But I, I'm I'm a beginner. Okay. <laughs> so I'm still learning how to how to sell and market and get them out into the world and and everything. Yep. ChatGPT will help you with that one too. Uh, if you, really? If you oh, absolutely. Yep any marketing or uh, just set up a business plan. Delta, write right, you have a detailed business plan of how to get it everywhere you need to do it. And I mm. had to do a business plan three, four years ago and I had someone working with me and it still took me close to a month to do. Uh, I, that's something that's still foreign to me trying to make that stuff. And then I could do it on ChatGPT now in 15 seconds. So um there's that so if that, if, that, if that can help you out as well um so everyone go to find you on on your website um and yeah buy stuff there check out your website be able to work with you from there and yeah thanks for being on i had a great time getting to talk with you and not knowing what we're gonna talk about so 
-hmm. those are my favorites. So thank you yeah, again for being on and I uh, appreciate you coming here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun chatting with you. Absolutely. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Thanks. You too. All right. Thank you. All right, that's Crystal Cook. So you guys check her out. I forgot to say, you guys can leave a message here because I'm cool like that. You're cool like that. Leave a message. I'll play it on air. No one's doing it, but you can do it. Messages? Messages? We don't need no stinking messages. I need messages, though. So you guys, 503-974-6420. You guys, thanks for listening here. Share. 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 Uh, like Sonny and share something, share it around, man. Um, yeah, share it, like it, subscribe, download. You can check it out on. Well, you're not gonna listen to this on YouTube right now because I'm I'm stuck from uploading anything for YouTube for two weeks. So, well, you can probably check this out, but it'll be on Rumble or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you want to see my pretty face, go on to Rumble. If you, uh, you're like, oh, I don't want to look at this guy, go listen to anywhere you have a podcast, where you can listen to a podcast. Check out other shows on the network on the QGEBN. Just search that. You'll find plenty of stuff on there. And thank you again to our uh, sponsors. Fred Ben Savage's Fox Stonerese Presents. Nope. Stonerese Productions. Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is great, and Sock em Up. Check out SockEmUp.org. If you guys want to know anything more about me, go to RustyDiamond.net. Easy, easy, easy. That's my link tree. So, you guys, thank you for being here. And that is the show. Man. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right?